You're listening to the Radical Disruption Podcast with Maya Nicole, nursing student turned multi-six-figure online entrepreneur. Here we talk all things real and raw when it comes to entrepreneurship and what it really takes to get to the next level. Leave the small biz talk at the door and buckle up for the tangible, tactical, and actionable steps that will help guide you in building a disruptive business. Let's dive into the show. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Radical Disruption. This episode specifically, this is my sixth time trying to record it, and I don't get very far into it, usually like two minutes, and I'm like, what am I even talking about? This is, (laughs) or like, I'm just like rambling, or I'll say something really stupid, and I'm like, nope, I don't want people to hear that. So then I'll go back. And I mean, most of the time when I go to record episodes now for the podcast, like I'm pretty like, I don't want to toot my own horn and say like, oh, I'm really good at recording podcast episodes, but I've gotten kind of like into the flow of things. But today, for whatever reason, I'm just like not in the flow for recording. So yeah, that's where I'm at right now. This is the sixth take. Nothing is uh, ever perfect. And if you are someone who records trainings or podcast episodes or any of the things that are like that longer form content, you know exactly what I'm talking about, where like some days it's like, oh yeah, like I can do this one take, no big deal. And then some days it's like, we need 10 takes for this. That's my day today. So with that being said, today's episode is Current Obsessions Tool Edition. And tool is a very general term in today's episode because I didn't really know what the term would actually be because some of the things that I'm talking about are like apps and programs and some of the things are actual like physical tools. So it's kind of just all the things that I'm loving right now, I guess, in my business in terms of, I guess, helping to better content creation and helping to better my business. So not just going to walk you through my favorite tools, though. I'm going to walk you through what I use them for, why I use them. I'm going to share costs and alternatives. But on top of all that, I'm going to give you some tea and I'm going to give you my favorite tip for using each tool that you can implement and for your convenience and ease. All of these tools are linked in the show notes down below and there are six different tools and then at the end I'll kind of share some other tools that I use but I didn't you know obviously feature in here because I use a lot of different tools in my business so it would be a really long podcast episode if I sat here and and listed all of them out and I'm also like I don't know some of the tools I use where I'm like yeah this is great but I'm not like obsessed with the tool. So these ones are like ones that I'm like actually obsessed with, where if you're like asking me a question like, hey, you know, uh, what about Kajabi or hey, what about Flowdesk? Like I'm going to be able to like talk your ear off because I genuinely love the platform so much. So I hope that you know that that's where I'm coming from is, you know, I'm not just sharing these to, you know, have you utilize my my affiliate links so I can make some money Uh, which most of my the most of the links down below are my affiliate links. So I appreciate you utilizing those because those do uh, support me. But ultimately, these are things that I'm just like actually obsessed with. So number one is Flowdesk. And Flowdesk is I think this is one of the the oldest tools that I've been using. I don't know if that's necessarily the term. I've been using this tool for almost the longest amount of time. I would say Canva is probably tied, if not a little bit ahead of Flowdesk. But I started utilizing Canva and Flowdesk before I even started my business. So when I was doing network marketing, that's when I started utilizing Canva and Flowdesk. Flowdesk specifically, what I was using Flowdesk for at that time was 
contacting and keeping in touch with current customers as well as potential customers for my network marketing business. And then since I was already using it for network marketing, when I started my business, I was like, oh, I'm already familiar with Flowdesk, so I'll continue using it. So I've been using it now for about three years, which is absolutely wild to think about because I haven't even been, like I said, in business for three years because I started using this tool before I even started my business. But I genuinely love Flowdesk. So what do I use it for? I use Flowdesk for my weekly newsletters. So sending any of the like sales emails that you get, as well as my weekly newsletters that go out on Thursdays, those are all sent through Flowdesk. I use Flowdesk for my email funnels and my email sequences for my opt-in forms. I use it for building wait lists for offers. So if you've ever signed up for like a scalability wait list or a masterclass wait list, any of the wait lists that you've ever signed up for through me, those are all done through Flowdesk. Why do I use Flowdesk? Well, I was using it prior to my business and it was just something that was easy and convenient for me to continue using. But it isn't just the fact that it was just convenient for me to keep using it. Like I genuinely just love the platform. I think that it is so easy to use, so easy user-friendly would be the term. It was a tool, like I said, that I was using before I even started. Um, I genuinely love the Flowdesk team. I just think that they're the best. They're super, super kind. Their support team is very, very helpful. If you're about aesthetics like I am, making things look pretty, Flowdesk is your platform for email marketing for sure. Now my tip for Flowdesk use the analytics tab. This is a new tab that just launched on Flowdesk a few months ago. So at the very beginning of 2023, and it is so powerful. So I want you to go to analytics and then I want you to go to the workflow tab. And then I want you to see how well your email sequences are performing, where the drop-off is happening, how many clicks these emails are getting, and you can see so much more data. So it's really important to not just set up you know, these different email sequences where you're collecting emails and you are delivering emails to them, you know, through a sequence and really nurturing them and, you know, maybe selling to them as well. That's all really important. It's great to have those things set up, but you want to make sure that those things are actually converting and actually getting people to purchase from you, to click. And so that's how you're able to kind of track that data is through the analytics tab in Flowdesk. Now, when it comes to pricing for Flowdesk, it is $38 a month for just email. It's $38 a month for just checkout, or you can get both of them. So both email and checkout for $64. If you want to, you can get a 30-day free trial and 50% off your first year if you use the link down below or just type in code MyaNicole at checkout. That includes checkout as well as email. So you can get 50% off both of those, which is really awesome. Now, when it comes to alternatives for Flowdesk, I will say I actually did use MailChimp for about mm, three days (laughs) before I started using Flowdesk. So I tried out MailChimp because I was like, oh, this is a free platform. I'm going to test it out. I absolutely hated it. I did not like it whatsoever. Again, hard for the emails to be aesthetically pleasing. I just think that the platform, at least when I was doing it, which was again, like three years ago, so it might have changed by now. But when I was using the platform, it was just not user-friendly. It was hard to figure out And I didn't like that because this is going to take more of my time and I don't have time to sit there and figure out how to utilize an email marketing or use an email marketing platform. MailChimp, though, is an option. It is free up to a thousand subscribers. And then MailerLite is another one that's free up to a thousand subscribers. But past a thousand subscribers, then there are tiers that you have to pay. And that's when email marketing starts to get really expensive on any other platform outside of Flowdesk at least from what I've found. So more advanced email marketing platforms would be like ActiveCampaign and ConvertKit. 
they have more in-depth features, more in-depth analytics and different capabilities and functions that like if you're looking for like advanced and like complicated functions, ConvertKit or ActiveCampaign are going to be your email marketing platform for sure. Now, again, though, going back to what I was saying with the different tiers of pricing, the more you grow your email list in terms of subscribers, the more you're going to be paying on every single one of these platforms. And that's another reason why I love Flowdesk is no matter how much my email list grows, no matter how many emails I send, no matter how many subscribers I have, I pay the same rate every single month, which is so freaking nice because I have on my like weekly newsletter list, I think I'm up to like 19,000 subscribers, but on like my general email list, I have like 25,000 subscribers. And so I would be paying like a huge, huge, huge a monthly payment if I was on any other platform besides Flowdesk because I have such a large amount of subscribers. Email marketing platforms don't position it in this way, but this is how I see it where it's like you're kind of with this different tiered pricing, you're kind of uh, penalized for growing your email list. So it's just really nice that Flowdesk doesn't penalize you for growing your email list because it actually makes you want to grow your email list because you're not like, oh, I'm looking at that next tier. I'm five subscribers away from having to pay an extra $50 per month. And it is usually these platforms are a lot more like each tier is like a lot more that you're paying per month. And I know someone who pays $4,000 a year for their email marketing platform. Um, obviously, they probably have I don't I didn't ask them, but I, I know that they have a lot of email subscribers. And for me, I'm like, Oh, well, uh, I pay $38 a month, which is not, I don't even know what that even adds up to be, but I don't even think it's $1,000 for one for one year use, using Flowdesk. And I can send out as many emails as I want, have as many subscribers as I want. So it's just so, so nice. All right. The second tool that I am obsessed with is, you can probably guess, I did a podcast episode, I think it was the last one, on this platform which is Kajabi. So what do I use Kajabi for? The question is, what do I not use Kajabi for? (laughs) Just kidding. What do I use Kajabi for? It is selling my offers. I have my affiliate program for my offers inside of Kajabi. I take payments through Kajabi and I do some email marketing through Kajabi. Now, let me explain what I use Kajabi for in terms of email marketing, because you're probably thinking, well, you just told me that you use Flowdesk for email marketing and now you use Kajabi. What the heck's going on? I don't know if this is a more complicated way to do things. In my head, this is a simpler way to do things, but ultimately you got to do what's best for you. The first thing I'll say is if you want to use Kajabi and then you want to use Flowdesk for email marketing, Zapier can do a connection. So if you want to like connect the two platforms, you can. I don't. That's why I use Flowdesk and Kajabi email marketing differently. So Flowdesk, what I use it for is pretty much like my weekly newsletters, again, my opt-in forms, my funnels, everything like that is on Flowdesk. What I use Kajabi for in terms of email marketing isn't really even, I don't even know this would, if this would be considered marketing, but I send out reminder emails or announcements to people who have enrolled in certain offers. So if you're inside of scalability, for example, there's a bunch of live calls that happen during that six-week program. And I will send out a reminder email four hours before each of those calls saying, hey, there's a call coming up in four hours. Here's the Zoom link. And then sometimes there's other information that's important to know. And I'll include that in that email. That is what I use Kajabi email marketing for. And the reason why I use Kajabi for that is because inside of Kajabi, Kajabi makes it really easy for you to filter for people who have purchased a certain offer. So it makes it really easy for me to send 
an email to people who have purchased a certain offer without having to like download those or having any sort of like integration with Zapier between like Flowdesk and Kajabi. So that's kind of a way that I have gone around having to use something like Zapier where I like I don't want to pay for another subscription if I'm being quite honest with you. And I also don't want to figure out how to even I've never used Zapier. So I don't want to figure out <laughs> how to use it. So this is my way of like, uh, again, I don't know if it's to some people, it probably will sound more complex. But to me, it sounds very simple in the way that I use it. So for like newsletters, all of my actual email marketing is done through Flowdesk. All of like my announcements and reminder emails, those are all done through Kajabi, specifically announcement and reminder emails for people who are inside of my offers. Why do I use Kajabi? It's everything that I need and more. But on top of that, though, I love the Kajabi team. I love their support, their customer service. They're always really, really, really amazing. The platform has all the capabilities and functions that I want. They're continually growing and evolving with us as creators, which I really, really, really appreciate. Um, they really take the time to get to know our needs. They're always you know, asking people to help test different functions. They're always asking for feedback. They're always asking for you know different tools that they can be launching. So I just really, really love Kajabi for a bunch of different reasons. But like I was saying, it is a, an all-inclusive platform, meaning that you know you can, if you want to, do your entire email marketing through there. You can build a website, landing pages on there. I think you can even host a podcast on there. On top of that, though, things that a lot of people don't know about, Kajabi also has the ability to have like a Zoom-like feature inside of Kajabi. So you don't even have to have a Zoom subscription if you don't want to. So you can do like one-on-one coaching calls, through like the integrated video conferencing feature that Kajabi has in the actual platform. So that takes away the need for having, again, like a platform like Zoom. You can also, for one-on-one, you can schedule out calls. So if you want to, you know, if you have like people who are booking these one-on-one calls and you're using something like Calendly, Kajabi actually has the ability to book calls like that. So like there's a Calendly-like feature integrated inside of Kajabi Uh, Kajabi also just launched Kajabi Communities, which is what they hope to become something similar to like Facebook group pages. So again, there's a lot of different things that make it an all-inclusive platform. So if you really don't want to be on, you know, multiple different platforms and paying for multiple different subscriptions, Kajabi is the place to be. Now, my tip for Kajabi, I actually have two different tips here. My tip number one, and this will only really make sense if you're inside of Kajabi or you're doing like some sort of free trial. If you... (laughs) How do I explain this? Yeah, if you go to the checkout pages, on the left-hand side, there's like a little menu of different things that you can edit on the checkout pages inside of Kajabi. One of the options is adding an order bump. So if you add an order bump, it basically allows you to add another offer that people can purchase alongside the main offer at checkout. And this will help to increase your revenue. So that's my tip number one. My tip number two is let people know about the Kajabi app so that they can access your offer on their phone. When I moved over from Teachable to Kajabi, and I'll talk more about that in just a second, but when I move over from uh, moved over to Kajabi, one of the biggest things that I got feedback on was how convenient it is that people can download the Kajabi app on their phone and access my offers on their phone without having to, you know, go to Safari, pull up, you know, my little portal, log into the portal. It's all just, it's so convenient to have the app on your phone. So I actually have gotten a lot of feedback of how convenient it is to be able to access my offer through that app. And Kajabi has that, which is super, super nice. All right. Now, in terms of pricing, 
There are three different plans. There's a $149 a month plan. There's a $199 a month plan. And then there's a $399 a month plan. The plan that I'm currently on is the $199 a month plan. I mean, ultimately, the plans, like all plans for any platform or subscription, they all have different, you know, you unlock different things the more that you tear up. I think that the $199 a month or even, I think even the $149 has most of the things. You just can't create as many products inside of it, but they're all great. And if you use the link down below in the show notes, you're going to get a 30-day free trial. And on top of that, 20 templates that you can use to sell your offers on Instagram stories. So those are customizable Canva templates that I created. If, again, you use the affiliate link in the show notes. And yes, these 20 templates are different than the templates in the story template bundle. So 20 totally separate templates. And on top of that... Yes, there is more. If you become a Kajabi customer after the 30-day trial and you use my link to sign up, if you email me, I'm going to give you another freebie. And uh, it's a free masterclass in case you're wondering. So it's a good one. That being said, that's the pricing on that. Alternatives to Kajabi would be Teachable, Thinkific, Podia, and Standstore. So why did I move over from Teachable to Kajabi? So I started using Teachable in, I think, in October of 2021. So very soon after I started my business. And that was the very first platform that I really started to use to... Well, the reason why I started using it was because I was starting to build Real Talk, which is the course that I sold at the very beginning of my business, which is now included inside of IG University. I started using Teachable. I saw a lot of other people who were using Teachable, a lot of people that I looked up to. So I was like, oh, I'm going to start using Teachable too, because if they use it, then it's obviously a great platform. And it is a great platform. I I really have nothing against Teachable. But what I would say is think like long-term perspective when it comes to choosing different platforms. The reason why I say that is because I went through such a headache of moving everything over from Teachable to Kajabi. And if you have a like a membership or something that's like subscription or recurring revenue, it's really hard to move platforms because you either have to cancel all of the subscriptions and then send them a link and hope that they sign up for the, you know, whatever the offer was again on the new platform, or you have to wait for everyone to eventually cancel their subscription on, you know, one of the platforms. You have to be on two platforms while that happens. There's just no easy way to do it. So I had a membership, which was uh, the trending audio membership. I think that's what it was called. No, I called it the Real Talk membership, is what it was called at that time which was, I don't know, like 15 maybe $20 a month or something. And you got access to weekly updated trending audios, which again is another feature that's inside of IG University now. But that's the membership that I had. And I had a, a decent chunk of money that was coming through at that time. And so I decided to stay on two platforms. So I stayed on Teachable until all of the people canceled. And you want to know how long it took? I was like, oh, people will cancel off, you know, after like, I don't know, just a few months. It literally took almost an entire year for everyone to cancel. And so it was it was just a disaster. It was a disaster, not just because of that, but because of moving all the trainings over from Teachable to Kajabi. It, yeah, it was just such a headache. So I wish that I had had someone say, think long term and think about the platform that's going to serve you best long term in terms of the offers that you're wanting to create and like what is the big vision that you have for your business. So Again, going back to why I transferred, though, from Teachable to Kajabi, it was because I was building IG University, which is my membership, and Teachable just didn't have really any of the capabilities and functions that I was looking for 
and needed to be able to build the membership in the way that I was building the membership. And so that's why I moved over to Kajabi. And I am so grateful that I did because Teachable, again, not a bad platform, not dogging on it whatsoever. I think that it's a great platform for certain people, depending on what your offerings are and depending on, again, what your long-term vision is for your business and your offers. But Kajabi just has so many more functions and capabilities and better customer support, in my opinion. They have the app on their phone. They're, I don't know. I just, there are just so many different things that really sold me on Kajabi, even more so, obviously, than the initial things that sold me on Kajabi to move over. Like now that I've been with Kajabi, I'm like, nope, this is my platform for life for sure. So that's kind of been my journey and story with moving from Teachable to Kajabi. But again, I have nothing against really any of these alternatives here. I have tried Teachable, so I can speak from personal experience that it is a very good beginner basic platform. Um, And it doesn't mean, I don't mean basic in the sense of like, you can't scale your business on that platform. You 110% can. Ultimately, it depends on what your goals are and how in-depth you're wanting different like capabilities and functions because Teachable just doesn't have all of those options like Kajabi does. So next tool is Notch Instagram Insurance. Again, I'm not really sure (laughs) tool being a general term because I'm not really sure if this is a tool here because I mean, it's something that's always running in my business, but it's also not something like I actively use because it's just insurance. You know what I'm saying? Like it's just like any other insurance that you would pay, like car insurance or health insurance or it's active and it's working, but you're not like until it's needed, it's not really doing much, if that makes sense. So why do I use it, though? It's insurance for Instagram in case of hackers. And well, no, that's what I use it for. Why do I use it though? Instagram is an important platform in my business. And in my opinion, it's just smart to protect my hard work. If anything happens to my Instagram account, Notch will work to get my account back and they will pay me for up to 90 days if I'm locked out for up, you know, that amount of time based on my policy. And each policy is going to be different. So I would look into Uh, I think they actually give you like a free quote. So I would look into that and see what your policy is. My policy is $1,100 a day for up to 90 days, which is really, really, really awesome. Again, in case something happens to Instagram. So I just think it's smart. I mean, we have insurance for really anything else in life. So why would we not have insurance for, you know, a platform that drives so much traffic and gains so much exposure for our businesses? So that's just my personal opinion, though. Now, you might be thinking, though, okay, but what about Meta Verified? Okay, let's dive into it. Let's talk about it. I haven't talked about this a lot, but I, I've actually talked about this a lot in my direct messages, but not like actively in the public. I don't know. I'm more, I guess I'm more neutral than I am anything when it comes to Meta Verified. My opinion on Meta Verified, I don't pay for it. Um, I mean, if you look at my Instagram account, I don't have the blue check. I tried to apply f- to be verified before Meta Verified even came out, like with you know, the OG verification process where you have to like submit articles and stuff like that. And I I believe that I fit all the criteria, but I got denied every single time. I think I tried to apply like 15 times. <laughs> so I tried and uh, Instagram didn't want me to be verified by any means. So I don't have that badge from, from the organic verified version and I don't pay for meta verified. I have nothing really against Meta Verified. I just think that for me, it makes more sense to pay for Notch Instagram insurance than it does to pay for Meta Verified. Now, most people, what I've heard in terms of their argument, which again, I'm neutral on this. I'm not really for or against. But most people, what I've heard is that they pay for uh, Meta Verified because they want to be able to contact customer support. 
And I haven't really heard much about people's experience with customer support. So I don't really know like if that's, I don't know if, if Meta has even like increased their, I mean, yes, they have increased obviously their customer support and access to it through Meta Verified, but like, I don't know how great the customer support actually is and like what it's actually doing for people. So I'd be curious to know if you use Meta Verified and you've contacted customer support, shoot me a direct message. Let me know what your experience has been. I'd be very curious to know. That's what I've heard in terms of most people who purchase MetaVerified. It's for the customer support and not really for any of the other things that MetaVerified says. Also, I think that with all the other things that it promises, I just think that they're not really that important in my opinion. Now, that being said, originally when MetaVerified was announced, when Adam Mossery announced it, he announced it in a reel. And I think there might have been an article that went out before that, but the big thing that kind of blew up was his reel. And (laughs) I'm laughing because I spent like probably 45 minutes to an hour sitting on that reel going through the comment section and people were just outraged. So initially when Meta Verified was launched, it was launched with increased reach, meaning that if you pay, that you will have increased reach on Instagram. So there were people who were super excited about that. And then there were people who were, as you can guess, very outraged. And so I spent a lot of time just reading through different comments and it was just good to hear different people's perspectives. But I think that after Instagram or maybe Adam or who I don't know, whoever it was, has read through those comments, they were like, okay, maybe let's take a step back and maybe not launch the reach aspect of MetaVerified. So when they launched MetaVerified, they didn't launch it with the reach aspect. So there's no increased reach by paying for Meta Verified. That being said, if that ever does become a feature in the future of Meta Verified, I will 100% pay because again, Instagram is, this is where I run my business. And of course I have other owned assets. So like Instagram is a rented asset and it's good to have both rented and owned assets, but you need to have both. So if you're just building your business on social media, whether that be Instagram or TikTok or YouTube or Pinterest or whatever, those are all rented assets. And again, they're good to have, but if something happens to one of those platforms, what's going to happen to your business? That's a big deal, right? And so you need to have a website, you need to have an email list, you need to have you know, other places where people can connect with you in case something happens. And so those are going to be your owned assets. So you need to have, again, I recommend having both your rented and your owned assets. With Instagram being a rented asset, I mean, ultimately, whether or not, you know, I pay for Meta Verified or whether I paid for Notch Instagram insurance, something might happen still. And I understand that. And that's just the risk that any of us take by building our businesses there. But that's also why I put so much emphasis on building an email list and doing things off of the platform, which is why the number one tool that I just talked about was Flowdesk and email marketing, right? And so again, whatever platform you choose to use, that's fine. But like building your business off of just Instagram is so important. My point is that anything can happen to Instagram, but because Instagram is a huge part of my business, I will pay for increased reach if that ends up being a feature of Meta Verified in the future. So Right now, again, very neutral. I'm like, I don't really care to pay for customer support. I don't really care to have that little blue verification badge ultimately because, I mean, yes, people are like, oh, oh, this is another argument people will have too. I don't even know if it's an argument. It's not really, people aren't really arguing. They're just sharing why they did it. But another reason why people have purchased MetaVerified is because they have a lot of imposter or like spam accounts or people who are copying them. So they want to be seen as like the OG 
Yeah, I get that. There have been phases where I literally will have like seven different accounts that are copying me and pretending to be me at one time, like impersonating me. But I mean, I've dealt with it thus far in my business. So why do I need to pay $15 a month for Instagram to potentially deal with that or just to have the blue verification badge? Like, I don't know. Like, I'm like, if you look at my Instagram following and like I have 260,000 followers and you don't think that like I'm the real legit account, I don't know. That's just my personal opinion though. Like, I just feel like you just know who's the real one and who's not the real one. So I don't really care to pay just for a blue verification badge, but that's, again, that's just my personal opinion. I don't think there's a, a right or wrong answer there, but again, if reach becomes a thing, 100%, I will be paying for Meta Verified. Okay, going back to Notch Instagram insurance, because that is the tool that the focus was on here, which is, um, again, not really a tool, but also something I utilize and recommend. I don't really have a tip, but get it if it's available for you with where you live. It's not available everywhere yet, but it is something that's becoming increasingly more available. So get on the wait list or whatever. I think that if you apply and they don't, if they don't have insurance in your area, you can like hop on a wait list and they'll notify you when it is. So to hop on the wait list, again, if you're interested, I'm not trying to convince you that it's the best thing in the entire world, but I do think it is very smart. Pricing on Notch depends on your account and how many followers you have. So I personally pay $179 a month, but plans can start as low as $8 a month. So I mean, it could be a little bit more on the affordable side or it could be a little bit more on the expensive side. Like, yeah, $179 a month is more expensive, but also uh, having a policy where they pay me $1,100 a month for up to, or sorry, not a month, $1,100 a day for up to 90 days. Like to me, I'm like, oh yeah, 100% worth it. And just like it's insurance. It's so you would use it the same as car insurance or health insurance. It's the exact same thing, but just for your business. Alternatives to Notch, I don't know of any, but I'm sure there might be something else out there, especially now that like Notch has launched and it's becoming bigger. I'm sure there are people who are, you know, trying to become competitors. And so I'm sure there's something else out there that uh, you could look into, but I don't know of them off the top of my head. All right. Tool number four is ClickUp. I know I've said in the past, if you've ever heard me say this, that I would never use ClickUp. And the reason why I said that is because it is a very complex platform in comparison to something like Trello. But the saying says, you know, never say never. That applies to right now. Now, I will be very open and honest that I don't use ClickUp from like the business owner perspective. I use ClickUp from the client perspective. So the reason why I use ClickUp is because both my podcast and email manager use ClickUp. And so that's why I use ClickUp, but I've just had such a great experience over the last few months utilizing ClickUp. It's just really helped to keep me so organized, helped me to understand like what I need to get done on certain dates. And so I personally have really fallen in love with it. I'm like, I can't believe I'm saying that out loud. Um, But I, I really do like ClickUp and I do think that eventually I will use it from like the business owner perspective too. And I probably will even hire someone to have uh, go in and like set up systems and different things for me so I don't have to like figure out how to set all those things up. But my tip, again, I don't know how to use this from like the business owner side of things. I only know how to use it from the client side of things. So I have a tip, but I can't really instruct you on like how to set up this tip because I don't know the logistics of it because I don't use ClickUp actively from the business owner perspective. But my tip is that if you're a done for you service provider or you take submissions for something like podcast guests or guest speakers or maybe affiliates for an affiliate program like they have to apply, 
you can actually set up a form inside of ClickUp where they can input all of their information that you need. And then it can be structured so that the form automatically is like connected to your dashboard inside of ClickUp. And then inside of ClickUp, there can be like different, again, depending on what was included inside the form and like what responses they gave, it could be you know, different dates, like different due dates will show up in your dashboard. And it's just like all automated and so seamless. So that's really, for me, what has really sold me on ClickUp. So my podcast manager, she transferred over to ClickUp pretty recently. And there's a form that I fill out. So every single time I do a podcast episode, I fill out this form and it collects all of my information. So not like my information, like the information for the podcast episode. So it's like, what is the episode number? Um, What are the links that need to go in the show notes? And like, what is the date that this podcast goes live and like all that information? And then I can actually see my own dashboard. And in that dashboard, like once I submit a podcast, I see it show up where it's like, now this podcast needs to be, it's like in the editing phase. And then like once it's, you know, out of the editing phase and it's officially scheduled to launch, I can see that it's scheduled to launch. I can see all the ones that I need to record that are upcoming, what the due dates are. So it's just really, 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 really nice. And again, this is from the client perspective. I do think, oh my gosh, I'm, again, I'm like, I'm saying this out loud. I do think that I will be using it as a business owner too. The reason, again, the reason why I'm like <laughs> laughing so much is because I was like so against it. I was like, I'm never going to use ClickUp. Not because I don't think it's a great platform, but I just am all about simplicity. Like, give me the simplest way to do things. Give me the simplest platform for me taking notes. I take notes on like my Apple notes that's on my phone because it connects to my computers. It connects to my iPad, connects to my phone. That like That's where I take notes. That's where I script things out. That's where I will uh, do everything in terms of like notes. That's where all my content ideas are. It's all in my Apple notes. And then I just have Apple notes that or I have folders inside of my Apple notes. Again, it's just the convenience of it. Like I'm not a spreadsheet gal. I have nothing against spreadsheets. I mean, actually, I have used spreadsheets for certain things like analysis of my Instagram account and like really tracking like data and stuff like that. So it's not to say that I don't use spreadsheets, but I'm not a person where I'm like, like batching content. I'm using like spreadsheet to plan out any of that. That's just not personally me. So again, I'm just all about simplicity. But what I've realized is if I have a really good system set up inside of ClickUp, that it actually can be really simple. So (laughs) that's my tangent on ClickUp. The pricing is free up to $19 a month. So the free plan, I believe, is just if it's just you. So like if you don't have anyone on your team that's like inside of ClickUp, it's free to use. Alternatives to ClickUp, Notion, Trello, Asana, all really, really great platforms. Again, I've I mean, I have really nothing against any of those platforms. I've heard really great. I haven't used Notion or Asana. Um, I have used Trello. I do really like Trello as well. They just have different capabilities and functions ultimately. So you just got to find what works best for you. Okay, number five, and then number six is our last one. Number five is Typeform. What do I use Typeform for? I use it for applications for one-on-one mentorship and my mini mind, and also for collecting feedback. I think eventually I will convert all of my forms over to Typeform, like all of like my onboarding and offboarding forms and basically any form that I have, I think I will eventually convert them over to Typeform. The reason I haven't yet is because of time. Um, And I honestly should just have uh, my virtual assistant do it. But that's why I haven't. So like 75% of my forms are still on Google Form and like 25% of my forms are on Typeform. Why do I use Typeform though? Why do I like it? Why do I want to convert over to Typeform, like solely convert over to Typeform? 
I just think it looks more professional than Google Forms. So the aesthetics, <laughs> if there's any uh, common theme that you're pulling away from this, I'm about the aesthetics. I like things looking really pretty. I think it's very important. But most importantly, though, on top of aesthetics are the features on Typeform that a Google Form just simply doesn't have, like logic, for example, which means that if someone answers a question in a certain way, they're directed to different questions based off of their response. Other things that I can do, I can automate or I can have an automated email go out after the form has been filled out to let the person know that the response has been received. And you can also have the form lead to like a different landing page after it's been filled out. And that allows me to have a little bit more customization, even give gifts in a better way, like in terms of like discounts or like little Starbucks gift cards, things like that. So ultimately, there's just more functions and capabilities with Typeform than there are with Google Form. So my tip for Typeform is have a follow-up email connected to the form so that when someone fills it out, they receive further instructions or details of whether that's a timeline of like, you can expect to hear back from my team and I within 48 hours, or whether it's like, here are the next steps for you with like links to the next steps or whatever that is, like have some sort of email that goes out. So that way it's not just like, oh, I filled out the form. Cool. Now what? You know, it's like, here's this email and the email has next steps. It gives additional information and it confirms that the response has been received or the application has been received, which is really nice. Pricing for Typeform is $25 a month up to $83 a month, depending on the plan. And then alternatives would be Google Form. And I have nothing against Google Form really, truly, outside of the aesthetics of it and outside of the more in-depth capabilities and functions. So those are really the only things that I would say that Typeform kind of differentiates between Google Forms. But I have used Google Forms for most of my business now. So, I mean, they work really great. Number six is Flipstick. And this is the only physical tool that I had in this list, but I have been obsessed. I mean, I've been obsessed with Flipstick since I ever figured out what Flipstick was and I started partnering with them, which was, I think, over a year ago now at this point. But I'm even more obsessed now because they just came out with the Flipstick Grip and the Flipstick Pro, which are two different versions of the Flipstick. So what do I use it for? I use it for content creation. Why do I use it? convenience. Honestly, it makes content creation so easy. I have, I'm holding my phone in my hand right now. Obviously you can't see me. (laughs) Now I'm holding my phone in my hand and I have the Flipstick Pro on the back of my phone and it has like different hinges, which allows me to get different angles. And I just love it. And it has like the little finger hold thing. So like there's like a rubber loopy thing that allows me to like hold my phone. That's what I have. And then I've also experimented with the Flipstick Grip as well. And I do like the Flipstick grip. So my tip though for Flipstick is if you don't want to have the Flipstick on the back of your phone case, because some people don't and that's totally fine. If you get the MagStick attachment and then you hook the Flipstick to the MagStick, you can actually then remove the Flipstick from your phone because the MagStick is like a magnet that just hooks to the back of your phone. If you don't want to have the Flipstick on at all times, then that's really nice. The reason why I like having the flip stick on at all times is because then I don't have to worry about taking that mag stick with me like on vacation or, you know, if I'm traveling somewhere and I need to use my flip stick, then I just have my flip stick because it's attached to the back of my phone, which I just like that for convenience. But if you're looking for something that you can take off and on because it annoys you having something on the back of your phone, then that's an option for you. Pricing for the flip stick is anywhere between $15 to $30, just depending on if you get the flip stick 2.0 the Flipstick Grip or the Flipstick Pro. The 2.0 is $15. The Grip 
I want to say is like 20, maybe $25. I can't remember off the top of my head. And then the pro is $30. And if you use my link down below, you'll get 20% off. So that'll drop the price down as well. And alternatives to the flip stick, I mean, your tripod or like a ring light with like a tripod on it. But outside of that, I mean, there's not a whole lot of alternatives. I mean, I'm sure that there's other things out there, but most people, the alternative that they're going to use is going to be a tripod. And there's nothing wrong with that. Sometimes I'll still use a tripod as well, depending on, um, obviously, there are some times where the flip stick, where I can't stick it to a surface and like get the angle that I want. So I'll just use a tripod for that. So it's not to say that like the flip stick is totally like taking away the need for having a tripod. I just, it's just so convenient. Like I stick it to my window in my office. You can see smudge marks all over my window, Um, but I love it because it's just so convenient and that's where the best lighting is. And it just takes me two seconds and I don't have to worry about, okay, well, where is my tripod and getting the right angle and setting up the different heights and different things like that. And so it's just really nice. All right, that is it for the six tools that I'm obsessed with right now. But other tools that I use but I didn't spotlight, it's not because I don't love these tools. I do genuinely love these tools, but I'm also just like not passionate enough to talk about these tools for, you know, several minutes. So other tools would be Canva. Also, actually, the reason why I didn't talk about Canva is because I feel like Canva is the most widely used tool for most business owners. So I'm like, if you don't know about Canva, then I guess now you do. But um, that's why I didn't talk about it because I feel like most people know about Canva. InShot is another one. That's why I use probably about 5% of the time to edit my real videos. And the other 95% of the time, I just use Instagram to edit those. LensBuddy is a really, really nice one if you're trying to take pictures. Um, I think it also might take videos. Don't quote me on that. I only use it for pictures, but you can take pictures and like it'll take them a certain amount of seconds apart. So it's really nice if you're like out in public or you're just trying to take pictures of yourself using your phone. It's like a timer, but like it's not a timer where like if you set up your iPhone, for example, and you set up the timer, it's going to take like a burst of like 10 photos all at once. Like you can set up the lens buddy where like every five seconds of taking a photo. So you have time to like, you know, move and pose and do different things, which is really nice. So that's a fun one. And it's, it's free to use. Google Calendar wouldn't survive without Google Calendar, but also kind of another one where I'm like, people probably know about that. Zencaster, which is what I use for recording. That's what I'm using right now to record my podcast and then show it. That's what I use for like my website hosting. Anyways, ultimately, hopefully this is helpful in terms of, you know, helping you to explore maybe some new tools, um, getting discounts to some try out some new things, or um, just even maybe putting the bug in your ear of like, oh, maybe I need to transfer a different platform because the one that I'm using doesn't have XYZ things that I need. So maybe I need to start testing out some other platforms, whatever it may be. These are things that I am like genuinely, genuinely, genuinely obsessed with. If you know me, I'm not going to ever share anything that I don't genuinely love. That's why I don't do a lot of brand partnerships. It's not because there's not brands reaching out to me. Brands reach out to me all the time, but it's because I just like, if I don't genuinely use and love your product, like I'm not going to promote it. So I've only ever done five brand partnerships ever since I started my business. I've done multiple with Flipstick. Well, I've done some with Flowdesk. Obviously I love Flowdesk, but anyways, they're all ones that I genuinely use and love. And so anytime that I'm sharing anything, it's coming from a place of like, I actually use it in my day-to-day life. And if I don't actually use it, like I was talking about with ClickUp, where it's like, I don't use this from the business owner perspective, but I use it from the client perspective. I'm always going to tell you like how I utilize it or why I'm not currently using it, why I still love it. So anyways, that is a wrap on current obsessions. And I hope that you enjoyed this episode. 
If this episode has served you in any way, I'd love it if you shared what you've learned, any aha moments that you may have had, or something that you loved, and tag me on Instagram at Maya Nicole. And if you haven't already, hit the subscribe button and leave a five-star review so that we can continue to learn and grow together. Thank you so much for your support. I love you, and I'll talk to you in the next episode.